Amen. Sorry, I, I didn't give a, any forewarning that we were going to do this at the beginning of the service rather than at the end, but um, I think this is good. We, we had our eyes on, on God during worship and such, and, I, and, and, and the entire thing of communion is to remember Him, to remember His sacrifice, and to remember the sacrifice that brought about the possibility for that word this morning, that our past is our past, it's gone, and we have joy to look forward to. So I'll tell you just a bit about myself while, while we're waiting. I'm sorry, I kind of mixed things up here. But um, like she said, I'm a building contractor, uh, have been all these years. I felt uh, called to preach the gospel since I was a teenager. And, um, and yet uh, God clearly and definitely led me into construction. It was very odd. I... If any of you are struggling with the same thing, that God, you feel like God has called you into some kind of a ministry, and yet when is it going to happen? When is it going to uh, uh, come to fruition? Well, I'll be patient. Um, I've been waiting for 40 years, <laughs> so you can keep waiting. <laughs> but, uh, but God is faithful, and sometimes he needs to teach us some things. Uh, I forget which uh, evangelist it was that said that it takes 40 years to put together a sermon. And, and it's true, as you go through life, as you go through life struggles and, and, and all the events that you go through, you learn a lot. And, and a lot of times, you know, young whippersnappers can come out with a, with, with a sermon, but a lot of times it doesn't have the depth that it does when somebody's been really through it. So just keep going through it and, and gain all the wisdom you can and use it to his glory every time you can, every chance you can. God will open doors for you. He does. Amen. Okay, praise God. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn our eyes to you right now. We turn our eyes to your word. We ask that you will grace us and privilege us with your presence here with it right now. Father, I pray that you'll speak to us, open our hearts to receive your truth Anoint these lips, Father, to speak your word, and I pray that your will, your perfect will be done here this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, one doesn't have to be a rocket science to ascertain from the headlines that this world is in trouble, this world is trembling. The headlines recently, I don't know if... If any of you have, have just been kind of jaw-dropped, but sometimes I'm just, I look at the headlines, uh, I, I get my news off the computer now, I look at the headlines one after another, and it's like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> this world is crumbling. It seems like we're watching the crumbling of civilization as we know it. Governments, nations, beliefs, moral standards, economic systems, and even People's very lives seem to be coming unraveled, and, and, and man seems powerless to do anything about it. Jesus said that in the last days, men's hearts will, will fail because of fear. And people are trembling right now. People are very troubled. And I remember a few years ago when I'm, I'm kind of a, I, I see things afar off more than, than some people do. 
And I remember back in the 70s and 80s, I was saying that these things were going to happen. And I remember people just scoffing at me, like, yeah, right, you know. Uh, you know, people that just had confidence in the Dow, and they made a lot of money because of their confidence in the Dow until 1980, or 90, 2008, <laughs> until 2008. And then they lost half of everything they owned in one, in one dive. And, and the NASDAQ did the same thing to them. They, they, they made a lot of money until all of a sudden the crash, and then, and then it went down. And people are trembling. I mean, we're talking about from the rich strata to the poor people, the knowledge, the, the, the intellectuals, and the guy on the street. It's like they're all realizing something's up, something's happening here. In the book of Daniel, thousands of years ago, a man in a robe with sandals prophesied that in the last days there would come a time when learning would greatly increase and people would run to and fro. Now, how could you encapsulate a description of the technological and the industrial revolution in the last hundred years better than that? Knowledge has exponentially increased. Jaw-dropping increase. And it's continuing to happen every year. Every year we're gaining more and more knowledge. And yet, you would think that with all this newfound power to be able to travel and to be able to do things, I can get on my computer, I can order something, it'll be at my doorstep the next morning from Chicago or from New York. It's amazing. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. You would think that with all the newfound knowledge and with all the newfound technology and all the newfound power that we have at our disposal, that we would have solved man's problems by now and that everybody would be happy and everybody would be just enjoying a life of ease and, and relaxation. That's not what we, what we see in society at all. As a matter of fact, it's getting worse. Valium and antidepressants are at, at record sales. The, they say that, 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 that people's minds and, and, and depression are under great stress. In, in this time of great power and, and, and knowledge, and you, it's, just, it's kind of mind-boggling why that would be. Why are minds and people's hearts stressed now when we have so much ability? Where does peace come from? What is peace? And that's the topic for today. I don't, did, did you guys know the topic when the songs were picked? No. Well, that was good, and that word was good. It's a confirmation. I've never preached this sermon. Um, I'm more of a hellfire brimstone kind of guy. <laughs> so, so when the Holy Spirit said to me this week, I want you to preach on, te- on peace, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> At what point do I get to kick them in the pants on a, on a sermon about peace? <laughs> but we'll see. We'll, we'll give it a try here. <laughs> I'll give it my best effort. I... <laughs> no, God knows that we need peace. And, and in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angels proclaimed glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. It's when the Messiah was being born and God was saying, I've got peace for you. I've got good 
news for you today. I have peace available for your hearts that can dispel all the anxiety, dispel all the trouble, dispel all the weight that you feel, and you can live a life of peace. It is possible. God has provided it. Oh, I shut the wrong one down. <laughs> what is peace? To, uh, this week when I, was, when I was thinking about this, how to, uh, how to describe it, the, the phrase, faith-induced peace, popped into my mind. And to me, that, that's it in a nutshell. You cannot have true peace without God. And you cannot have true peace without faith in God. Because if you just have God and don't have faith in Him, you're still going to be troubled. <laughs> you're still going to be scared. You've got to know who God is. You've got to believe in Him first. You've got to know who He is. You've got to know what His promises are to you. You've got to have promises given to you, or, or, or you're just hoping for, for good. And there's a lot of that around. There's a lot of that false peace around. False peace is thinking that you are safe when you are not. Men create false doctrines in order to generate this false peace. This morning, in thousands of churches across America, they are hearing these words, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet those people, not all of them, and I'm not pointing the finger at any one denomination. But I think that you and I would both agree that there's a lot of people that are sitting in a lot of those churches that, don't, that, that should not hear words of peace right now. They should hear words of warning. You see, our Bible, in our Bible, everyone's Bible, there's a welcome and there's a warning. And the welcome is come in. Come into safety. Come into where it's safe and, and sound and, and free and forgiveness. But if you don't, there's a warning of disaster and trouble and great trials. So for people to hear doctrines of peace and, and they relax and think, everything's cool. I've been baptized. I've been baptized my kids. I paid my tithes. Let's see what else. Uh, I go to to men's meeting uh, once a month or once a week, and 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 we've done this and this and this for the church, and so now I can relax. I have peace with God, and it's a lie. A lot of people are running on a false peace, a false hope, and it's a lie. So where is true peace? Where is true hope? Well, safety is a state of being safe. Okay, I think we can agree on that. And peace is knowing that you're safe. And like I said a second ago, a lot of people are being told, and a lot of people think that they're safe, but they really aren't. So how do we know that we're safe? False peace is, is almost like a sleep. But the thing is, you don't want to sleep when the enemy is creeping up on you. You want to be alert. There's an old Cherokee saying that says, if you listen to the whispers you won't have to endure the screams. And that's true. The Bible doesn't tell us to ever go to sleep. It tells us to be peaceful over and over and over again. And if we have time today, we're going to go through a lot of those scriptures. Where's the clock? There it is. Great. I don't know what time I started, but 
again, it's comforting having it there. <laughs> um, over and over and over through the scriptures, I had my wife uh, dig into, to, uh, I said, find me some peace scriptures. Well, my goodness sakes, the Bible is full of peace scriptures. Just, just get on, uh, uh, not Google, but uh, Blue Letter Bible, some of the others, and, and ask it to find peace, and you will find a plethora of scriptures. It's like that's, I didn't realize it until this week. I think God maybe had me get ready for the sermon just to, so he could preach to me peace, because I didn't realize how prevalent in the scriptures that word is. And, and to be honest with you, I was not living in peace. Earlier this week, when I'm reading these scriptures, I'm realizing, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm careful and troubled about many things. Oh, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And I began to realize, no, God wants us to live in peace. That's the trouble when you don't go by your notes, all of a sudden you get out there somewhere and you go, where am I? <laughs> Earlier this week, they had an early morning tornado down south. And it's pretty unusual, although it does happen. And this tornado hit just before dawn. I mean, it's middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning. And several people died in their sleep. <laughs> they were asleep. And this tornado hit and, and, and uh, took them away. And they said that the sirens did go off. But they were so sound asleep that they didn't even hear the sirens. They were peacefully sleeping. Is that the kind of peace that God is telling us to have? No. No, he never tells us to go to sleep. He always tells us to watch. And he tells us to, to weigh things out and be careful and watch and pray. He tells us to be alert. He never tells us to go to sleep. But he says that in the midst of our alertness, in the midst of our watching, we are to be peaceful. Now, how can that be? How can, how can you be watching and yet peaceful? Well, it's possible because your peace comes from, from being within and next to the strong. There's a, a famous painting um, of a waterfall, a huge... I don't, how many have ever been to Niagara? Quite a few, Okay. Just the, the thundering power of that waterfall. And in the painting, way down in the little corner, if you, if you look carefully, there's a bird's nest with a little bird sitting in that bird's nest on the cliff right next to the falls. Peaceful. That bird is peaceful. He's, he's, he's nestled into the rock of that cliff. He's nestled into strength, even though right next to him is this thunderous chaos going on. So when we look at today's news headlines and we see the massive chaos that's going on all around us, there is a cleft in the rock. There is a place that we can run to and we can have peace in the midst of a storm. Now, God actually gains honor from us when we walk by faith. He gains honor from us when we praise him like this morning. 
But I firmly believe that he gains even more honor from us in our day-to-day life when we walk by faith and say to the world, seen and unseen, he told me the truth and I'm going to walk by it. He told me the truth and he is faithful and true who said those words to me. And I'm going to walk as if they're true. I'm going to see them happen. God receives honor. Wouldn't you? If I said to about one of you guys, I don't believe what he says, he's a liar. That would be a dishonor, wouldn't it? Or if I even said, uh, I don't know if I can believe that or not. Not necessarily call him a liar, but just say, eh, it's a little kind of out there. I don't know if I really believe him or not. That's a dishonor. But if I'm in a group of men and I say, somebody says, oh, so-and-so said such and such, and I say, you can bet your, bet your last dollar that that's what it is, that man's tells the truth. He always tells the truth. If he said it, it's true. Did I do the man an honor? I sure did. So you see, in our lives, if we walk by faith and say, God, you said in your word that you would provide. You said in your word that there was healing available to us through Christ Jesus. You said in your word that you would take care of my children. You said in your word, and and, and bringing these promises up to God and saying, you promised me, and I'm going to act like it's true. I'm going to step out and walk according to it because I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to set, purposely, set my heart at peace. I'm going to be peaceful about this subject. Even though maybe there's still symptoms out there that are saying, "Ah, it's not true, it's not true. You're going to say, no, I'm going to believe him who cannot lie. I'm going to put my trust in the strongest possible thing in the universe, his word, and I'm going to see it happen because he is faithful. We do God honor that way. We do him tremendous honor that way. A few years ago, Sherry and I were blessed to go to Niagara Falls. Huh? Isn't that something that came through that twice in the same sermon? We went to Niagara Falls. Our sons uh, sent us there for our 25th wedding anniversary. And when we were uh, looking at the travel plans, I found out that we were flying into Toronto, Canada. Well, a few years ago, I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. I'm sure there's some of you that are. There was a tremendous revival that happened in Toronto a few years ago. And they, we, we didn't get to go to any of those meetings, but they were still going on two or three years after this tremendous revival started. There were still meetings going on. And I just turned to Sherry and I said, well, <laughs> Niagara Falls or no Niagara Falls, if we're going to Toronto, I'm going to those meetings. And uh, so we checked it out, got on the Internet, and sure enough, the week that we were flying in, they were having their annual fire conference. And so we flew into the fire. <laughs> it was, and, and it, it was good. It was really good. I never used to manifest too, uh, very much. I don't know if you guys know what I mean by manifest, but sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes on someone, it affects their physical being. It affects their, their functions. Um, we find in the Bible that, that people that saw angels or came into the presence of God, it said they fell on the ground as dead. And, and uh, in other places, it talked about their knees shaking. And in other places, it, uh, there's many physical manifestations. And when you think about it, <laughs> when you think about it, if you, if you come into contact with the real God, 
Not, not the pretend God on the cross, but the real God. I mean, the real guy that created the universe, okay? The guy that had enough intelligence to think out and plan all of this and put it into action. That guy. If you come into contact with that guy, it's amazing you don't die. Seriously. That's like coming into contact with the sun. You know? You fly your, your spaceship towards the sun and thinking, hey, one of these days I'm going to be right in contact with that baby. You won't, you won't even make it. You, you wouldn't, you're not even going to get close enough to touch it. You're going to melt somewhere around Mercury or Venus. And so... And so, you know, when we think about it, that, that to come into contact with the real God, and then some people say, well, why does he shake, or why does the guy fall down? You know, it's, it's amazing the guy doesn't die. In all honesty, it's amazing the guy doesn't die on the spot. God must hold himself back at that point. God must tie both arms behind his back to allow us to come into his presence so that we don't just absolutely melt. So, we went to the, to the Toronto conference, and I began to manifest some effects on my physical body from the Holy Spirit being upon me. I began to shake. I, I, was, I mean, and, and, and not putting on. I'm talking about at restaurants. I'm sitting in a restaurant trying to order my food, you know. <laughs> and I'm still shaking from the meetings, okay? And... This went on for several days during the meetings, and then Sherry and I went to see uh, Niagara Falls and went to see her sister down in upstate New York and such, but I was still shaking. The manifestation was still there. The Holy Ghost was still on me, strong. I remember one time in, in, in the Toronto meetings, uh, they, they allowed people to have a word of knowledge, and so I came up and I gave a word of knowledge, and three or four people came up, and I'm, I'm kind of still, sh- you know, I'm still shaking and stuff, and I put my hand on the first lady, and bam, she was on the floor shaking and quaking. I mean, it was, the power of God was there. It was, it was wonderful. It was like fall, jumping into a honey bucket. It was wonderful. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we come out of this, and I come back to Austin to get back into the grind, get back in the saddle, work, you know, pour concrete, build houses, whatever we're doing. And... Financially, things were a little tight in those times. Either that or they were very tight. I can't remember, but it was tight. <laughs> and so the weight of that was on me before we went to Toronto. As a matter of fact, it was a free trip. And I almost turned it down. Actually, I did turn it down. I turned it down and said, you know, we can't go. I've got to keep working because things are so tight. I don't dare take a week off. I've got to keep working. So I said No. And I, I told Sherry that on the phone, called her back five minutes and said, yeah, we're going to go. I don't know how this is going to work out, but we're going to go. So thank God we did. We did go. But when I came back, there were the problems waiting for me. So I'm still in the glory cloud. I mean, I'm driving around work, and I'm pulling into, into you know, little parks and stuff just to... <laughs> Just to sit there and, and worship God and just shout to the top of my lungs praises to God and stuff. I was in the glory cloud. And, you know, it was wonderful. It was tremendous. But I remember the day I was, I was sitting outside. I was sitting outside of Subway Sandwiches in Austin, Minnesota. 
and I was thinking about finances. I was worried about finances. And I was thinking about it. Like you flipped a switch, the glory was gone. I mean, it was so noticeable. I put my sandwich down, and I just sat there. I thought, what was that? It was just like it was gone in a split second. And I said, Lord, did I offend you? And right away his voice came to me. He said, when you walk in fear, it offends me. And I began to realize that, you know something? God has commanded us to walk in peace. He's commanded us to trust him over and over, all through scriptures. He's saying, fear not, fear not, fear not. It's for a reason. He's not just saying that to fill the, fill the universe with words. He wants us to actually fear not. It's possible. It's possible to do that. And it's the life he bought for us. It's the only life that he wants us to ever have. A life without fear. A life in total confidence in him. A life in total peace. And that will amaze the world. The world will see that in you. And they'll go, what in the world? How can you be so calm? Years ago, everybody heard of John Wesley? Years ago, John Wesley was a preacher. He was a... uh, Christian that had gone to church his whole life because his dad was a preacher. And he uh, was even a member of the Holiness Club at, I believe it was Oxford. Anybody know for sure? Was it Oxford? Whatever college he was going to in London. He was a member of the Holiness Club with big names. Whitfield, uh, his brother, uh, Charles Wesley, and and some other big names in Christianity uh, that came out of that club. And he even came to America to preach the gospel to the Indians. I mean, he's a Christian, okay? On one of those ship rides, on one of those trips, they ran into a horrendous squall, a a horrendous storm. This wasn't just a normal little storm. In his his, uh, diary, he writes that the Englishmen were screaming out terribly. These guys... (laughs) These are sailors. These guys are people that have been on ships, and they're crying out and screaming for their life. They think they're dying. They said at one point the ship went under the water. It must have been a wave on top of a wave. They dove into the water. The water came completely across the ship, snapped the mast in half, and water came pouring in through all the hatches that they had shut down and such. They were underwater. They thought they had just actually just were down, heading down. And they said that the men were screaming terribly. And yet there was a group of Christians called the Moravians, the Moravian missionaries. They're Germans, Count Zinzendorf. And uh, they were having a, a worship service right then. And when that happened, when the, when the ship went under the water and water began pouring into every, every crack and crevice in the, in the, in the hull of that ship, and the, and, the, and the Englishmen were crying out in fear, he also realized that the Germans never missed a beat. They continued to sing calmly to their Lord. After it was over, he went to them and says, how in the world did you do that? Weren't you afraid? And they said, no. He said, well, what about the children? And they said, our children are not afraid. And it had such an impact in John Wesley's life that he began to seek hard after God 
he began to realize these guys have got something I don't have. He realized he wasn't a Christian. After years of ministry, he was in America to preach to the Indians. And he realized that he himself did not have the peace of God in his heart to know that he knew that he knew that he was right with God. And, and it was a little bit later after that that he went to a meeting and got right with God for the first time in his life. Now he really was a Christian. The peace of God came into his heart. Just trying to figure out which direction to go here. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, God's talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. Uh, And he says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, they saw what he did, they saw the miracles. You would think that that would bring about peace and faith in God. It did not. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. And they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. That's important. His rest is important. Don't ever take it lightly. Don't ever think that it's okay to be a little worried. It's not. It's not. He commands us to fear not. He commands us to enter his rest. And when we don't, we dishonor him. When we don't, we offend him. It's, a, it, it, it's not only a privilege to walk in peace, it's a command. He wants us to come into that rest and trust in him and honor him with our confidence and our faith in him. So he declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As it has been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief is disobedience. He said, the people that died and and their carcasses rotted in the wilderness were the ones that disobeyed. And what was their disobedience? Unbelief. They didn't trust him. After seeing all the miracles, after seeing the mighty hand of God, they still walked in fear when it came to the next trouble. And God said, you guys are out. You're never going to enter my rest. It's not going to happen. Now, thank God we live in a time of grace. God's not saying that to us right now. He's still saying to us, come on, come on. Come into my rest. Come into my peace. 
I've bought it. I've paid a tremendous price so that you could. Come in, come in, come in today into my peace and my rest. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful. This is the New Testament. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Now, it sounds like the opposite again. We're supposed to be careful to enter rest. (laughs) But we are. He tells us to strive to enter rest. He tells us to to labor to enter into his peace and rest. And we need to do it. Now, how do we do it? How do you labor to enter into the rest and peace of God? Where where, Where does that come from? Do we just sit back and all of a sudden say, I'm going to be peaceful today? No, you can't do that. You're not going to calm your nerves by just deciding to be peaceful. The only way to become peaceful is by faith, like we were talking about earlier. And where does faith come from? Hearing, hearing the word of God. And it works. It works tremendously. If I sat here right now and read to you statistics for the next 10 minutes of of what this world is, is enduring and, and horrible statistics of, of, of the economies in Europe and America. And I began to read you the diseases that, that are spreading. I mean, you might even start feeling it right now. You know? <laughs> the diseases that, that are spreading, that are incurable, they, can't, they don't even have a cure for them. And they're scared to death that these things are going to get loosed in an airport and spread across the nations. And, and, and on and on and on, okay? If I sat and read that to you for 10, 15 minutes, I can guarantee you, that unless you rose up in your spirit and fought that off by faith and reminded yourself of what the Word of God is saying, you would begin to feel fearful. It would begin to pull you down. Because faith comes by hearing, but so does fear. Fear comes by hearing the word of Satan and the word of life in its base form. So we need to make a choice. You don't make the choice, I'm going to be peaceful today. You make the choice, I'm going to get into the Word of God today. And by making the choice, I am going to get into the Word of God today, you begin to feed that thing inside of you that will make you peaceful. It's like a chemical reaction. You pour this contents, this vial of content, this vial full of contents. (laughs) Whatever, I'm trying. You, you, pour, you, pour, you pour this glass into this glass. <laughs> and, and if they're reactive, you will have an, a, a chemical reaction happening in this, in this glass. Okay, And that's what happens when you pour the Word of God into your heart. A chemical, spiritual reaction just happens. It just takes place. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to try to make it happen. All you have to do is pour it in there. And immediately your heart will begin to go, that's right. That's right. God said this. God said this. 